You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 192nd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation about mental freedom with Dr. Lois DeSilva Napton. In this episode, I interview her as my friend and fellow choice theory enthusiast. Lois is a lifelong educator who has dedicated her life to educational leadership and assisting students with special needs to access a successful education. She believes in systems and defining qualities so all can achieve success at their own level. Today, we'll be talking about Lois's experiences with mental freedom. Thank you so much for joining us, Lois. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to start asking some of these questions I've asked other mental freedom practitioners, so I just am going to ask you some of the same things. First one, when did you first learn about mental freedom principles? I remember you speaking about mental freedom concepts a couple of years ago, and it was revolving around some of the concepts that are now part of your mental freedom curriculum. There were just snippets at the time, and I said, oh, that's interesting. It kind of matches choice theory, and I just let it go. But then I changed my views and wanted to get more involved with it. About six months ago, we were at a conference, and someone said, that stuff is really good, and you know, you should look into it. So I said, all right, well, let's see if there's a course coming up. So sure enough, I joined your last Mental Freedom Coach class, and I was very excited to start to do this work with you. Thank you so much. It's been a real high point in my career for sure. Did the mental freedom concepts have an impact for you personally? And if so, how? The mental freedom concepts are, it's kind of like the same thing that happened to me when I learned choice theory well over 20 years ago. I started applying them in my life personally and just taking the concepts of mental freedom and it's broken up into six sections. And really living them, really applying them. You often say head, heart, hand. Learning it is one part. And that's kind of like, yeah, sure. Okay. I understand the word, but it's when you really apply it. And I've really started to apply it personally. And actually I found myself over the last couple of months talking about it at work and just saying things like, oh, I'm going to have some experience mental freedom right now because one of my colleagues is there and people are kind of like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we just, I just take a deep breath and I go, I'm in control. You know, these I can choose. And they're just like, you are weird. So <laughs> I really have been applying it consciously, though. It takes an effort. This doesn't just happen overnight because some of these concepts are a little hard to handle if you haven't been living them and learning how to apply them. Yeah, I know there's some pushback from people for sure. Yeah. And once they give up that resistance and they actually start using it, they usually have good results, exciting results. That's the thing that I get excited about. It's one of the reasons I do supervision with my mental freedom practitioners, because I'm nosy and I want to know all the good things that are happening with the people that they're working with. Yep. That brings me to my next question, which is, have you used these with clients, either as a counselor or coach, or in your case, as an educator? Yeah. I'm still working on applying them with my educator colleagues. As you know, there is that pushback. 
but I did have a recent supervision with you that really helped work through a situation at work that was very anxiety producing. And it just really helped me wrap my mind around what was really happening with the other person, what was really going on from their point of view. And then I get to choose how that information lands on me. And then I get to pick how I'm going to deal with it. It doesn't mean I can never get frustrated, angry, or want to punch someone in the face because it does happen. It's what I do after that. That's what mental freedom really helps us do is label the emotion and then realize that now it's labeled, I get to decide what do I want to do with it. You're right. Mental freedom does not insulate us from having things happen in our life that are challenging. There are things that you have thrown in your path that you didn't ask for. People Mm. get sick. People die. You lose your job. The economy crashes. All kinds of things that can happen that we didn't ask for, that we weren't looking for, but we still have to manage those things. It's not that you'll never feel bad again. That's crazy to think that. But the length of time that you'll spend in that pain, that emotional pain, or sometimes it's even physical pain that's not created by any medical cause, you don't have to spend a long time there. And the more you practice mental freedom, that time shortens. And eventually, I think you'll get to a point where it can happen really quickly. Right. That's awesome. And I think that you're talking about the unconditional trust challenge was what you applied in that situation. And then back to responsibility, whose responsibility is it and what are you responsible for? That was a great supervision for me too. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you. What are some of the problems that may have been addressed that you've used mental freedom for? Do you find it works good with certain things? Well, yeah. The biggest thing that it works well for is... For me, being able to stay the course, stay steady, stay thoughtful, and not fly off the handle. So I have people around me in my job that sometimes fly off the handle, and I don't like conflict, personally. I just don't like it. I will be in it when I need to be in it. But the mental freedom concepts, all of them, really help just settle your mind and help us realize that we don't have to behave that way if we don't want to. And if we want to, we can and we should. I quoted something a while back. It was during 2020. If we're not angry with the world, something is wrong right now because there were a lot of things that were challenging and out of our control. And I was still angry about them. I didn't linger and I didn't act on them. But if you're angry about something and you can act on it, go act on it. This was the COVID thing, the pandemic, the masks, all that stuff. It was frustrating. And I was able to just say, all right, let's just figure out what am I in control of and what can I change? And then if I can't change it, let me figure out how to feel differently. It's funny that you brought up the pandemic in 2020, because that's actually when I came up with mental freedom, because I spent the first two weeks of being told to stay home. I spent that first two weeks anxious. Like, I don't think I've ever been anxious before. Over a prolonged period of time, it just never went away. Part of that was because I was spending time with my mother at the time, and she was glued to the news. 
multiple times a day about the death toll and, yes. and how scary it was and how scientists think you should do this one week and then they change their mind and tell you to do something different the next week. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And especially I didn't know how to protect my mother because she was not taking it very seriously and she was being careless. Oh. I mean, of course, now we know those things that they were telling us to do were totally unnecessary, like right? putting your groceries out in the sunshine and washing everything and taking your clothes off before you come in the house. I did all of those things. And it just made me more and more fearful. And then I remembered two weeks in, I remembered, Kim, what is wrong with you? You know, choice theory. You don't have to be anxious if you don't Mm want to be. You can think about other things. You could do what you can do to protect yourself and not dwell on this. I started to do really well during the pandemic. I was really calm after Mm. those first two weeks of hell. Yeah, And then I started to wonder, what is it about me? And certainly, you know, a lot of it's choice theory. When I thought about mental freedom, I thought about what do I know and how do I use it that's different from other people that don't know choice theory or even some of the people who do know choice theory. I looked at the lessons that I learned in my life because of the inflection points in my life. You've had Mm -hmm. plenty of those in your own life, I know. Mm -hmm. We always hear it's the challenges that shape us, really. When things are going easy, we don't have to work hard. But when when challenges happen, that's when we either rise to the challenge or the challenge beats us. Having those challenges is really a great thing. And when I looked back on those and tried to extract the things that I learned from those challenges, that's what mental freedom came to consist of. Yeah, yeah. If not for the pandemic, we wouldn't have mental freedom, at least not my version of mental freedom. So that was one of the nice things for me. There was a lot of bad things, but one of the nice things. Nice. Can you think of any types of people or issues that might not benefit from mental freedom sessions? Mm. Nope. (laughs) I think everyone can benefit from mental freedom. But I also come from a mindset that every child can succeed no matter what their challenges or disabilities are. Every adult, every person. That being my mindset, I Absolutely. Cannot think of one group of people that would be harmed by mental freedom, except the most challenged disabled children who can't really mind, you know, that their minds live at 18 months old and one and two years old. Yeah. It's a wonderful way to navigate the world when you understand and apply the concepts of mental freedom. Yeah. Thank you for that. The only people that probably wouldn't benefit from mental freedom are the people who benefit more from being a victim. There are people who don't want to let go of that. It's that resistance that we talk about. There's people that will overcome their resistance and there's people who will hold on to it. If you're going to hold on to that, then I have no problem with that. If that's what works for you, you do that. Mm. But I don't know that mental freedom will really help them. But I, like you, have found that it does work pretty well with most people who are interested in really having mental freedom. I would say even those people who live in the victim world, mental freedom will still benefit them. They just don't want to accept it. They're just Uh. resistant to it. So (laughs) in my mind, it certainly will benefit them. Definitely in my mind, in my world. Yeah, yeah. that's a great way to look at it. They're resistant to it. And that's a choice. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
My favorite thing of all is as I teach these ideas, people will have these light bulb moments that are really good for them. And sometimes it happens in sessions when I'm there and other times it's when they come back after the week or two weeks between sessions and they share with me what they learned when they were applying it. Did you have any of those light bulb moments or did any of your clients have any of those light bulb moments that you'd be willing to share without breaking any confidentiality, of course? Yeah. The one that often brings the light bulb for people because it's easy to grab onto is the have and the want. What do you have to do and what do you want to do? When we have that conversation, there's so many times people say, oh, I have to take the garbage out or I have to whatever you have to do feed the dog. They live in this drudgery of we have to get up and go to work every morning. And the aha moment is really the conversation around that. I I just love it. I just love to have that conversation. A personal example is I live a transitory lifestyle. So I live in two different states. I've been doing this for three years. I did not think this was going to last this long, but life is what it is. So I travel between a Connecticut, New Hampshire, almost every single weekend. And there are times when I just say, I don't want to drive two and a half hours. And then it doesn't last very long. The reason why it doesn't last very long is because I have set up my life this way. This is what we do. And right now it's okay. I don't have to. If I don't want to, I need to change something. I need to get a different job. I need to get the rest of my family to move up to New Hampshire. I get to move back to Connecticut. Those have tos and want tos, having people really understand that concept. And that's also one of the things that people often have the hardest time with because it's so easy to say, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do that. People fall back on it all the time because blaming is so easy. And it's kind of like blaming. I just love those aha moments. And I've experienced those with some of my colleagues. But when I first say something, you know, if someone says, I have to, I say, do you? And then, <laughs> and then they're like, what? You know, just very quiet and subtly, really, do you? And then it opens a door usually. Yeah, I love that too. I really do. It's not that I never use have to anymore because I will say things like, if I want blank, I have to do blank, Hmm, right? Sometimes things are connected. So it's not like I'll never, ever say have to again, but I like Hmm. to link it to, if you want this particular outcome, you might want to do this. I usually say it like that, not you have to, but to myself, I'll say have to. But the thing that I don't like about have to by itself is that there's such a weight to it. It's like you're dragging around a ball and chain or you have this yoke over your shoulders or something. Mm -hmm. It's just heavy. But if you connect it to something that you want, if I want to see my family this weekend, I have to drive. Mm -hmm. Or you might say, if I want to see my family this weekend, I want to drive. I want to see my family this weekend. So it changes it. I agree. I like that one as well. My last question for you, Lois, this is going to be relatively quick, but what is it that you like best about mental freedom? Do you have anything that you would say is your favorite Um, thing? I think changing the narrative is really powerful. Once you truly change the narrative, it is freeing, but it, but, but is an eraser. (laughs) (laughs) When you change the narrative and you actually apply it, it really does free your mind. The word mental freedom is an odd word if you have nothing to connect it to, because I've started to mention it a little bit here and there because I took the class and 
I'm dabbling in it and supervising and, and really working with it now. And it's really fun for me because I've been an educator for a long, long time and I have a lot to share and I've shared a lot with a lot of people and I'm influential. But this is a way to really influence people on a one-on-one or in a group basis where you can actually connect with them over time and help them apply these techniques. Changing the narrative, I think, is really powerful. It is hard to do when you first start thinking about it, but once you do it, what does it mean to be mentally free? Your mind, it's not as heavy. Life is just not heavy. It's freer. And so if your mind is freer, your body is freer. It just frees up everything. If you're mentally free, then you actually become physically free. And I'm actually able to make choices in areas that I've really struggled with for a long, long time, like chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds crazy, but for me, freeing my mind has really made more room for other things. Yeah, that's terrific. I so appreciate you being willing to share with the listeners and to come on and talk with me about it, because I do know that mental freedom is really a personal experience. And Mm -hmm. it's not easy sometimes to talk about the things that have impacted you. But I really appreciate you doing that. It's testimony to the friendship that we have, Mm -hmm. as well as the person that you are. And I appreciate you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much, Lois. Thank you, Kim. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll join us next week when we'll be continuing the conversation about mental freedom with Mary Rothwell. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.